Okay. Last hurdle. Last lap. Only a year and a half to cover this time. Next episode will be my own personal hell for the past year. So, September 6th, 2016. Working at a warehouse overnight with my buddy Colby. Ash was pregnant and I was more determined than I had ever been to right my wrongs and do the family thing right this time. Our fights over Brandy and Larissa still happened, but they had reduced in frequency. I think Ash was happy at the time. She did really want to have my child. She wanted us to be a family. She wanted me to live up to the potential she knew I had. But I had one more fuck up left in me. October 2016. <clears throat> Ash and I had Colby and his girlfriend Mora over to play a tabletop game that Ash had basically created when she was really young. Think of it along the lines of D&D, but the rules are slightly different. And the story is Tenshi's creation. It was actually during one of these games that I met Chris for the first time. Chris was her ex-husband's friend that helped her get hired at the casino. I told myself during my first meeting of him that I was just jealous and hypersensitive when it came to people liking Ash or me perceiving people liking Ash. But... It turns out all the lingering stares and the feelings of jealousy and aggravation I felt with him were there for a reason. I'm getting way ahead of myself. More on that later. <laughs> Stay focused. Anyway, during a session, Colby and I had stepped outside to smoke. And I left my phone inside. Ash periodically checked my phone to make sure I wasn't still fucking up. Well, when she checked this time, 
I was. <laughs> Three or four weeks prior, I had texted Kirsten while I was at work overnight. And I had just shamelessly flirted with her. No hesitation. No thinking ahead of consequences. Didn't look past the end of my own nose. Just flat out full charm flirting. Ash had told me that if I fucked up again, including flirting with anyone, I was gone, we'd be done. So naturally, I was too scared to tell her about it. Well, once she found it in my phone, I think the one thing that saved me was it was from a month prior. I hadn't texted her since and I hadn't deleted the text. I knew she would see them sooner or later. I still wasn't honest about the situation, but I was less dishonest, I guess. If that's any fucking better. Ash got through the game with us, and later in the night, we fought again. I had flirted while Ash was pregnant. We never did fully resolve that fight. <clears throat> Ash had checked my phone in front of Colby's girlfriend. Mora decided to do the same to Colby. And he had been emotionally cheating for weeks. I worry that I influenced Colby as much as Ash influenced Mora. Colby is from... North Carolina. He'd moved to this area for Mora. She was all he had here. So when they broke up, he had to move in with Ash and I for a few months so he could afford to go back to North Carolina. <clears throat> that whole incident and Colby living with us. 
gave enough of a distraction to prevent Ash and I from resolving our issue. Further distracting us from it was us finding out we were going to have a baby boy. We spent a while discussing his name. That was nice. It was something we bonded over. We had already had a girl name picked out, and we weren't ready for a boy. We finally settled on one. It was originally going to be Nicholas C.L. McCoy. Ryan, my oldest, has my middle name. My middle name is Ryan. So I thought my other son should have my other name. But my mom fucking hated it. If I was going to do that, my oldest son should have had my first name. Pissed Ash off. And I didn't blame her. Pissed me off too. But to keep her happy and to shut her the hell up about it. We kept discussing names. I had made a character for the uh, for the tabletop game that we played. It's it's called Harper. And the character's name was Xander. I think Ash liked it. Obviously. <laughs> it's the name we went with. Xander C.L. McCoy. Green on a name. I think it made her happy. Made her family feel a little more complete, maybe. We never did address the issue with Kirsten and my flirting. I'm a natural flirt, yes. But what I did was way over the line. And while she was pregnant, I really am a big piece of shit. Fast forward a few weeks. Ash had begun having serious problems with dehydration while she was pregnant. We were at the hospital quite a bit. One time that we went, she had flat passed out at work. 
luckily it was during a meeting, so there was someone standing right next to her and caught her and helped her to the ground. During that ER trip, between us talking and I really do think I was doing better at being what she needed, even with the whole Kirsten thing, bending with her for years, and I was finally, finally not being a total piece of shit every waking moment, maybe. she was in the ER, we talked and strengthened the bonds of our DDLG relationship. And she seemed really relieved. She was going to need that comfort for when she was on bed rest for six weeks after Xander was born. ready for my opportunity to prove myself both to her and myself I wanted to provide for my family and I wanted to do this right fast forward again Beginning of December 2016. <laughs> it was time for Colby to go. Oh dear God, how I hated him. Colby was... is the best friend I'll ever have. All of my friends have always been younger than me. A year, two, and Colby and my other closest friend after him, they're both three years younger than me. I call them brother, but He actually feels like a little brother. And I miss him so much. The day he left, I kind of unraveled for a while. And she comforted me, like she always did. Couldn't go to work that night. I hurt too much. 
thinking about being there without him. Fast forward again. March 21st, 2017. Three, two, one. Xander C.L. McCoy was born. He was so tiny. He had his eyes open immediately. And as he laid on ash for the first hour of skin-to-skin contact, I just couldn't stop smiling. He was so beautiful. He was so pure. He represented so much for me. The concrete, tangible bridge between myself and Ash, Ryan and Liam. made him the same promise I made Ryan. I promised him I would sacrifice every ounce of my soul to give him what I failed to give his brother. I'm sorry, Santa. Another promise I couldn't keep. I took a week off of work for his birth. Ash had been off for two weeks before he was born. And was going to have six more to go before she could go back. So I couldn't afford to take more than one week. Coming home from the hospital. Helping clean the house and... Change his diaper. Falling asleep with him on the chair. Cuddling with Tenchi while Xander slept. Feeding him. I'm not 30 yet. But I know that I've already lived the best days of my life. Those were them. The only negative, nagging, persistent feeling that was threatening to 
hinder any part of that was a new feeling of guilt. When Ryan was born, I was 17 years old. I loved Ryan. I've never regretted him. But I was too young. I had so much more of my shit together with Xander. I felt like I was better with him. More patient. More helpful. I enjoyed him more right after he was born. I was able to provide more for him. me up a little bit. The weeks that Ash was home and I was working were heaven. I felt like the daddy. I could give her breaks, pay the bills. It was our dynamic brought to reality. And finally, it took three years. <laughs> And then, like always, something fucked it up. It wasn't me this time. Not at first, anyway. Fast forward again. In about six weeks. Right about the time Ash went back to work. I got fired from the warehouse I'd been working at. Apparently, I wrecked a forklift and didn't report out. definitely didn't do that, but they fired me for it anyway. My world grew pitch black. Depression skyrocketed and took over my soul. This was my chance to make my family something great. In envy for others. An example to my sons. 
because some asshole didn't like me and lied on me. I was fired. And I lost my ability to provide. I never recovered from it. I began ignoring Ash almost entirely. I knew I had failed her. The girl who was the president of my fan club. The girl that knew I had so much potential to live up to. I knew I had failed our family. I didn't talk to her about what was going on. I didn't include her. Again. For the last time. received unemployment I worked oh four jobs in four months I couldn't fight through the depression enough to be motivated to work Two of the jobs were lost because of my felony. Two, I just quit because I didn't want to be there. My life was in a downward spiral. And it was about to get worse. Before that, however, let's backtrack a little bit and relive the memories as I can recall them. July 2017. Around this time, Ash had a pretty bad fallout with her best friend of years. It virtually shattered the friendship. It was in large part, I believe, over me. Yet another friend I cost her. 
to fill the void in her heart. Ash found a new best friend. Male, this time. My depression manifested into anxiety, which catapulted into panic. Ash had been full on ass over elbows in love with her old best friend. Two reasons that it didn't really bother me is one, it was a female. Two, that friend had been around longer than me. But Ash told me that she was as in love with her friend as she was me. So putting someone new in that role terrified me. And I lashed out hard against it. Caused numerous fights. I was convinced he wanted more than just a friendship. And I was convinced that she was desperate enough for someone to fill the void. That she would ignore that about him. She told me time and time again that I was wrong and that I needed to trust her. I should have. I always should have just trusted her. But my panic disorder had taken a firm grip on my perception of reality. It caused delusions so vivid and powerful. I would forget what was true. I'm so sorry, didn't she? <laughs> you deserved better than I ever gave you. <sighs> With all that being said, I found out rather recently that her friend Adam I think was his name indeed wanted something more than just a friendship 
he had tried to push her against the wall and kiss her. She never told me while we were together. She didn't trust me to not go insane with the knowledge. And she wanted to keep her friend. This is how I treated my Tenchi. I was supposed to be the one who held her world together. I was supposed to be her daddy. You could tell me anything. And I left her too scared to do so. August 2017 Another friend and co-workers co-worker of hers was to be married and she was of course invited and I was not Dude didn't like me. Probably because of all the times she went to work crying. Adam was going to take her. And I was pissed beyond belief about it. However, upon viewing the wedding invitation and seeing that it was in the same town that one of my friends lived in, Jay, I made a deal with her that she could go, I would take her, and then go hang out with my friends since it was right there. She agreed. Probably just to shut me the fuck up. Also in August, we started a new campaign for Harper. Several people attended. Adam was one. At least a time or two. Chris was also one. (sighs) 
I was too isolated inside my own head to notice if he was still eyeing her the way he used to. My depression had cut me off from everything in my life. September 2017. Our last anniversary. Five years. Five and a half if you count how long we fooled around and acted as if we were together before we actually were. End of September, beginning of October, I put the final nail in the coffin. No. I put the final nail through her soul. She had been making comments for a few months. Ever since the fights about Adam had started. About being single. Breaking up with me. Obviously those comments didn't sit well with me. One night, she had a rather bad anxiety attack during one of our fights. Curled into a ball with her back to the door. I was crouched in front of her. Watching her rock back and forth. <sighs> Watching her hyperventilate. And I did. And I did nothing. <sighs> I didn't comfort her. I didn't hold her. I didn't verbally reassure her. Nothing. I looked right into her eyes and said, if I wasn't here, You'd have to fight through this alone. (sighs) 
If I could stab myself enough times and cause enough pain to match what the fuck I did to her with that sentence, I would do it ten times over. We were done at that point. Not officially. Not yet. But the feelings were evaporating on her end. Can you blame her? Listening to all that I did to her. Is there any blame that can be placed on her? <sighs> After that incident, unbeknownst to me, She began talking with Chris a lot. <sighs> at work and at home. And I was so far trapped in my head to notice. I didn't notice she was happy after work. I didn't notice that she was happy on her phone. Nothing. Blinded by my own self-loathing. December 2017. She woke me up so I could take her to work. I don't know what made me so angry, but I remember asking her if she was so unhappy with me why she didn't just fucking leave. A few days later, after she thought about it, she let me know that she didn't know why she was staying. The exact words escaped me, but I believe it boiled down to she stayed because she thought she should, not because she wanted to. January. 
2019. The beginning of the worst fucking year I will ever have the misfortune to suffer through. And it started off with the best news I had gotten in years. My felony was sealed. No longer could it hold me back. No longer could it be held against me by employers. I was free. And I was ready to take charge and turn mine and my family's life around. It was all going to change. And it did. Quicker than I thought possible. And as badly as I ever dreaded. my felony no longer hanging over my head. I was able to see clearly again. I had someone helping me get my job back at the warehouse. You know, the one that was the best job I ever had. I was getting another chance to do it right felony free however once my head had cleared I noticed how miserable Ash was how she was only happy at work and on her phone One day, while she was in counseling, I went through her phone, and I wish I hadn't. I would, I would commit my felony a hundred times over. If I could just go back and not have looked through her phone. She and Chris had been talking for months. Started innocently. Moved to flirting rather quickly. Mostly on his side. She didn't flirt much, if at all. But she never told him not to. 
so many words that I read have burned themselves into my brain and don't need repeated. I haven't forgotten. And I don't think I ever will. It doesn't bother me as much as it used to, but they're still there. My depression had evaporated. My delusions and panic found recently vacated space in my mind. And they took root fast. I couldn't focus on work. I couldn't focus on the fact that she was still with me and not with him. I couldn't focus on the fact that I should trust her. I obsessed over every word shared between them. I cried and bawled, begged for it to stop, demanded that it stop, begged for a chance to make things right, felony free. I started struggling with everything that wasn't discussing our relationship and stopping what he was doing. She told me it was harmless. (laughs) Promised she didn't know if he wanted her. Promised it would be one-sided if he did. I didn't believe her. I was too far gone. I looked at her felt life one night. I wanted to see if he was on there. found things that she had wrote about the whole situation. Found out she knew that he wanted her. She knew his intentions were not pure. She wanted him too. More words burned into my soul. Words I can't escape. Just like all the ones I ever gave Ash that she'll never escape. I had been repaid. Karma's a slow bitch sometimes. 
I woke her up at 3.30 in the morning to talk about it. She was scared. I wanted to scream. I wanted to rage. I couldn't. I knew we were ending. I held her and sobbed instead. I felt myself losing my grip on sanity. The situation continued for weeks. So much happened so quickly that I can't tell the events apart anymore. I messaged him and cussed him out several times. I begged and pleaded and screamed and raged, panicked. I wanted her to set boundaries with him. I wanted him to stop reminding her to take her medis, her medicine. I was her daddy. It's my job. I remember trying my hardest to become her daddy, but I couldn't. My faith in our relationship died. couldn't focus on anything. I couldn't sleep. I remember logging into her Facebook account day after day, obsessing, pouring over every word, analyzing every sentence. I remember convincing her to stop talking to him for a week. Only talk to him if I mess up. And I don't think I did. For once. But she still talked to him. Everything compounded. And everything kept escalating there was no breaks there was no peace for either one of us it finally came to an end April 16th 2018 My last day at the warehouse.
spent almost the entire shift cussing him out, messaging her, was fired the next day for being on my phone too much. That firing was a And she had had enough. April 27th, 2018. She went to work. Called me about two hours later. begged me to let her not do this anymore begged me to let her go told me the one thing I always told her would make me understand she did not want to be together I don't need you anymore. <sighs> we were done. And I cried for hours. It was over. had failed again and again and again and again made a girl who was borderline obsessed with me at one point leave failed another child and I failed another family the story ends here the next chapter is How far I fell, how hard I died, and ironically enough, how much better I'm doing now. What should you take away from this story? Five and a half, six year story. So, apparently, your recording can only be an hour long.
I figured I'd hit the limit sooner or later. So, anyway, what should you take away from this story? Numerous things. yourself sound better at the beginning. The other person will believe it and fall in love with someone that you can't deliver. Two, don't allow anyone who isn't in your relationship to have a say in anything with your relationship. Even your parents. Even if it's the only parent you've ever had. It's not their place. Three. Include your fucking partner. They are with you. Through everything. Include them. They can help. Or at the very least, they will glean a little understanding of what you're going through. Four. Don't fucking cheat. Don't do it. Nope. Not even them. Nope. Not for that reason either. Not in that way, or in this way, in any fucking way. Don't fucking cheat. Five. Don't ever allow yourself to become so deluded that you think you can pull a girl or a guy or any combination who is obviously out of your league, not single, and friends with your current partner. Six, don't fucking cheat. Seven. Don't commit a fucking felony that ruins a good few years of your working life. Eight. Don't fucking cheat. Nine. Always make sure your partner knows how important they are. Even if they get annoyed by it, it's better than them thinking they are nothing to you. Ten. Cherish every second. Take nothing for granted. Keep trying to win them. Keep trying to woo them. Keep courting them. 
keep dating them. Keep making them feel they're as every bit important as they were the very first time you told them you loved them. Eleven. Don't fucking cheat. Thanks for listening. I'll see you soon.